Richie Ceresi's Fine Art Productions presents the adventures of Doc Thomas Kunda and Lini La Fontaine in The Temple to the Goddess of the Sun. Written by John B. Farrell, story ideas by John B. Farrell and Richard Ceresi, narrated by Pat Botino, with music by Gabriel Roth and the Mirrors. The story and characters portrayed in this play do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, production company, writers, or narrator, and should not be construed in any manner whatsoever. As our story opens, we see close-ups of tattoos on the body of a woman. She is making tantric love. The tattoos tell the story of the journey of the lingam to the office of Dr. A. Kunda. The last tattoo is a picture of Drs. A. and T. Kunda examining the lingam. We are now at a calm beach in the early morning. We see a man running. Others are now running in the same direction. Off in the distance, we see a crowd at the edge of the water. We see that they are looking at the wreckage of a small boat. Two young children are on their knees, looking at the body of a Hindu priest. The crowd turns as a man in uniform approaches the children as they rise to meet him. One of the children hands the man in uniform a tantric lingam he has removed from the hand of the Hindu priest. The man in uniform examines the lingam. The scene now shifts to the office of Dr. Alexander Kunda, Oxford University. Thomas Doc Kunda and his father, Dr. Alexander Kunda, a professor of archaeology, are examining the lingam from the previous scene. In the background, shuffling papers, is Lini La Fontaine, eavesdropping. We hear Dr. Alexander Kunda say, Yes, he, he washed up on a beach in Calais, actually, quite dead and clutching this. He appears to have been trying to reach England when a storm turned him back. Dr. Bouchard of the French Academy sent it over. He knew I'd like this sort of thing. Doc Kunda replies, Is it Mogul? Oh, no, most certainly it's older than that. I'd say from the Morayan period, say two or three hundred years before the birth of Christ. Of course, it's tantric, most unusual for that period. The Emperor Ahsoka was Buddhist. And these chips of paint. Quite right, Thomas. Most certainly it was painted entirely white. Male color, you know. This snake here coiled at the bottom represents the Kundalini, trained and controlled. Hell, what do you make of this, Thomas? Let me see that, Dad. Well, it couldn't be, but that's Greek. What the hell are Greek characters doing on a lingam from India? Lini now joins the group and says, Wasn't it Ahsoka's grandfather, Chandragupta, who stopped Alexander's advance into India? Quite right, young lady. I would be most interested in locating the corresponding yoni. Yoni? Yes, the lingam represents the male energy. For every lingam, there is a yoni which usually serves as the base. But these Greek characters are astounding. There is no evidence of contact between the two cultures during that period other than the battle and the sun worship. Thomas, I really feel this deserves your most immediate attention. Lingams are usually carved from a single piece of wood, aren't they, Dad? Yes, wood or more often stone. Well, this one seems hollow. Do you think it comes apart? It's possible, though I don't see what for. As Doc attempts to open the lingam, the pieces come apart easily, revealing an inner compartment containing a piece of paper. Will you look at this, Dad? What period would you say this is from? Why, that's modern typing stock, of course. It appears to be a map of the Gandhara region. 
My understanding of Erdu is not that good, but let's see. Uh, this would be the village of Kanpur. Yes, Kanpur. And, and this trail leads north to here, a mountainous region, if I remember correctly. And again, this reference to a god. No, no, wait, a goddess. Yes, that's it, goddess of the sun. Goddess of the sun. Dad, that's an interesting one. What are these symbols here? Why, they're tantric, of course. The cobra, the lingam, the yantras. Here, see these symbols? This circle represents the Barivi chakra, a kind of circular ritual. That's a sexual ritual, isn't it? Quite right, son. And here we have the cobra idol and the eye of Shiva. Let me see that, Lini asks. What's the eye of Shiva? The eye of Shiva is a giant red diamond that resides in the head of a cobra idol. It's been missing for a couple of hundred years, but last seen by Warren Hastings in the late 1700s. Yes, and first described by Tamerlane in 1398 and referred to by Alexander the Great. Well, this changes the picture entirely. I suggest you mount an expedition immediately. Spare no expense. A, a close friend of the family, P.J. Gideon, is still based in Nanda Devi. He'll see to all your needs. In another place, a woman, Ayasha, comes into view. She is on a dirty street. She is being beaten and driven down the street. Her cries are distant now. At the other end of the street, a figure is waiting. It is P.J. Gideon. As they reach Gideon, the men throw the woman at his feet. One has a gun, another a club. They gesture menacingly at the woman, shouting angrily at Gideon. Gideon turns towards a doorway where, partially concealed, McNee looks on. Even in her terror for survival, the woman looks up seductively at Gideon and bares her breasts. This causes the men to gesture threateningly and kick the dirt. Gideon stops them with a look. One by one, they turn and walk away. Gideon helps Ayasha to her feet and covers her. He leads her to McNee, who is waiting. We now return to Lini and Doc as they leave Dr. Alexander Kunda's office, and Lini says to Doc, Your father seemed awfully anxious for this expedition to get started. His mother was killed in the area on the map. Really? Lydia Moore Kunda. She was quite a woman in her time, or so my father tells me. She learned poetry from Alfred Lord Tennyson and hung around with Madame Blavatsky. She sounds like someone I like. So how'd she end up in India? Well, as I understand it, she had some kind of information about the whereabouts of Prester John. Prester John? The king who, who couldn't die? Oh, come on. Well, Lini, remember, she had a lot of unusual friends. So it was in Nanda Devi where she met and married my grandfather Vladimir. My father was born soon after. Together they set out into the area I'm supposed to go to. On the trail they were overcome by a group of white slavers. She was captured and held for ransom. When Vladimir couldn't raise the money, she was burned alive while my grandfather Vladimir looked on helplessly. Oh, how awful. What happened to your grandfather? He brought my father back to England to be raised by the Moore family and was never heard from again. Hmm. So, when do we leave? What do you mean, we? Well, you don't think you're going to go without me, do you? Yes, I do think I'm going to go without you. Why? I'm as qualified as you are, or almost, and I know the language. I don't need an interpreter. I speak Urdu fluently. Jemalakanda strani gotru kimashwa. 
What's that? Some kind of esoteric idiom? It means if you want any tonight, you'd better say yes. Come on, Leany, don't be like that. Well, it'd be romantic. You and I tenting in some remote wilderness, making tantric love in, in some abandoned temple in the moonlight. Yeah, I can see it now. Me staked out on some mountaintop left to die while you're strapped over some white slaver's horse on your way to some brothel. It's dangerous country where I'm going. It really hasn't been changed since my grandparents' time. Well, my father'd finance the whole thing. I mean, you, you could really travel in style. And my father said he'd spare no expense. I'm sure my caravan will be amply supplied with plenty of porters and provisions. I don't need your father's money. My father has outfitted many expeditions, and I'm absolutely sure I'll be very, very comfortable. Two weeks pass, and we find Doc Kunda at the office of P.J. Gideon on the outskirts of Nanda Devi in northern India. We see a donkey and two Indian porters, one small and wiry and the other a giant. Doc mutters to himself, Ha! <laughs> Spare no expense. P.J. Gideon now says, uh, This is Krishna Charlie and Ram. Charlie speaks good English and knows the Shipke Pass better than any human. And Ram is the, is the strongest man in India. And this is what my father arranged? Well, Ram and Charlie accompanied your father on his trip to the cave of the goddess of the sun. A large caravan can be dangerous in the area you're going to. Mara Devi operates there with impunity and would be easily attracted to such a group. But now, you must come in for some chai tea and, and tell me about yourself. You know, I knew your grandfather. As they enter the office, Doc Kunda examines a photograph. Well, this is my grandmother, isn't it? Yes, indeed. She is a most beautiful woman. She is? I, I'm sorry. She was. It... It was a terrible tragedy. The maid brings in chai tea. Ah, here we are. Now you must try Padmini's chai tea. It is the best in the world. Oh. Well, thank you very much. P.J. Gideon takes a small vial from his vest pocket and pours it into his tea. My medicine. The body is weak. So, so tell me about this Maradeva. Maradeva is a demon, a devil. He has terrorized the people of the Shipki Pass for several generations. There are many legends about him, or them, as the case may be. They say he is a white man and a worshipper of Kali. He has, as your Luke Skywalker says, embraced the dark side of the Force. You've seen Star Wars? Why, yes, of course. Western movies are one among my many vices. Well, how much of a threat will he be to me? Oh, he will be no problem for you. A single man on a donkey is not worth the effort. Charlie will take good care of you. The other group does have me worried, though, I, I must admit. But she was so rich, I, I had no choice. What other group? Why, the woman from Oxford. I, I assumed you knew. Oh, my God. Now, what did she look like? Miss LaFontaine? She was very beautiful, of course. But you can see for yourself, they're, they're just leaving. Doc looks out the window. He sees Lini seated in a sedan chair, carried by four porters. She is at the center of a large caravan with a drummer keeping time. Lini! Lini sees Doc and shows him a photocopy of the map as her caravan pulls out of sight. Why didn't you 
Tell me, Gideon, we've got to stop her. Relax, my friend, and finish your chai. You'll easily catch her. Sit here and let us talk. Yolini has gone to great expense to get here. Let her enjoy her little victory for a while. That woman is a lunatic. I can't believe she'd pull a stunt like this. Come on, my friend. I have a proposition for you. No propositions today. I'm a scientist, not a businessman. Commerce is universal, my friend, even for you scientists. If you spend money, you are a businessman. Please, do me the privilege of hearing me out. All right. What have you got? There is a fortune to be made if I had a partner. There is a cargo plane for sale at an unbelievable price. There are no borders in the sky. I'm sorry. As I said, I am a scientist. Of course, I understand. But perhaps I, I could interest you in some of these potions. This aphrodisiac is the best in the world, made by Chinese and India's greatest doctors beneath the noses of the communists. No, thank you. And this, this is said to give eternal youth. But of course, you are a scientist, and these kinds of things would not interest you. I'm sorry. Of course, of course, and think nothing of it. This is merely commerce. Is there anything you need I could procure for you before you leave? Well, not not that I can think of. Well, I'd love a health food bar if you could find one. Alas, I'm sorry. Your health food bars are not available here, or perhaps when you return. Well, good journey. The next morning finds Doc on the trail with Charlie and Ram. As Doc picks up a banana peel, he says, "Look at this litter. She's littering. I don't believe this woman. What's she trying to do? Get herself killed? I mean, what would you think of a woman who stole your map, beat you to the trail, and then litters?" Charlie replies. I had a wife like her once, headstrong like a man, but very good lover. If you don't want her, maybe I take her for a wife. Okay. Doc picks up health food bar wrapper and says, "Health bars. Where'd she get health food bars? That's it. I'm going to kill her. Oh, wait. Just wait. I mean it. I'm going to kill her. No, please, Doc. Don't kill her. I'll take her for a wife. You'll never see her again. Okay. I wouldn't do that to you. Come on." Let's get going. As time passes on their journey, we hear Charlie say, "So, Admini was a good wife, and I miss her dearly. My last wife, Astini, was too much daytime, nighttime, all the time. Even with Mr. Gideon's potions, I could not keep up. I think she would have killed me." Well, just how many wives have you had, Charlie? I don't know. Too many. That's why I work on the trail. I got to get away sometimes. A man got to rest sometimes, you know. I know. How about you, Ram? How many wives have you got? Ram, he don't speak no English. He don't talk much anyway. He just got one wife, Sita. No fun at all. You are wanting to find the sun goddess. You know about the sun goddess? Sure, Doc. All people are knowing about the sun goddess. She is a big deal around here. Have you seen her? No, Doc. Nobody is seeing her. We are knowing all about her. She comes from another world and brought with her the teachings of the tantras. Well, that's over six thousand years ago. Sure, she's been around a long time. She's lover of all the gods of all the world. She teaches them the tantric texts. She has dominion over life and death. That's what everyone is saying. Do you know where her temple is? No, Doc. You got the map? Maybe you tell me. I think this is being a good place to camp tonight. 
No, no, we have to catch up with Leanie. Don't worry, Doc. She's just over the hill. Charlie knows. We catch her in the morning before they go. Doc's campsite. Doc tries to sleep, but can't because of loud music coming from Leanie's campsite. Doc Kunda says after much tossing and turning, That's it. I can't stand it. I'm going over there. Charlie says, I go with you. They creep over the rise to see the other camp. In Leanie's camp, there is a drunken party going on. A group of men are gambling. Behind them is Leanie, tied spread-eagle on a kind of tree-limb scaffold. On the other side of the camp, a man in western dress confers with some porters. The man in western dress, it's Maradeva. I ought to just leave her. It'd serve her right. Oh, no, Doc. Big waste of good wife. Maradeva will sell her. Maybe Hong Kong. No good. Okay, you wait here. At Lini's camp, one of the gamblers goes up to Lini and fondles her breast. He grabs her hair and, holding her head back, forces her to drink from his bottle. He then lifts her skirt to the amusement of the other men. She reacts to all of this. The outlaw tells Lini, They are playing for you. Meanwhile, Doc is sneaking around the perimeter of the camp. The biggest, ugliest of the gamblers, an absolute giant, wins Lini. Just as he goes to claim his prize, there is an explosion. A fire erupts on the other end of the camp. Maradeva directs the men in extinguishing it. Doc attempts to loosen Leany from the scaffold. The outlaws notice, just when the scaffold falls down backwards, becoming a kind of sled, with Doc on top, trying frantically to untie Leany. He unties her, and the now empty sled falls over a cliff, leaving Leany safe and Doc hanging over the edge, clutching a root. Come on! Come on, Leany! Give me a hand! Leany attempts to pull him up, but she can't and loses her grip. Doc slides over the cliff, only to land safely on a ledge a few inches below his feet. Charlie Ram and the donkey are there waiting. Nice work, Doc. We better be going, Doc says to Leany as Ram helps her down. Don't you say anything. I mean it. Leany stifles a laugh. The group walks a few steps. Then they all break out laughing as Doc fumes away in front. Later on the trail, it is now quite dark. Charlie, where are you taking us? We go where it is safe. Don't worry. You can trust Charlie up to see a silhouette of Maradeva on a cliff overlooking their trail. Lini says, Doc, look. Doc sees Maradeva. They all stop. Don't worry tonight, boss. He is not bothering us where we go. Well, where are you taking us? We go to the cave of the Virgin. Big deal, holy place. Maradeva won't bother us there. See, he knows where we are going. They pass by the distant Maradeva who watches them pass. As they approach the cave of the Virgin, the group rounds a corner to be confronted by a pillar of fire. Lini says, Doc, what is it? Well, it's a naphtha mine, a natural phenomena, though I've never actually seen one. Charlie, how far to the cave? This is it. You are looking at it. Where? This way. Charlie leaps through the flames and disappears. Doc and Lini look at each other, stunned. Charlie reappears. Come on. What are you waiting for? Charlie ties the donkey to a tree. I'm sorry, my friend. You have to stay out here. And then he turns to Doc and Leany. Come on, this way. He leaps again through the flames. Doc and Leany hesitate. Doc says, well, after you, Leany. Do I have to? Leany goes to the flame and pauses, looking back at Doc. Doc pushes her through and then follows. In the cave of the Virgin, it is totally dark, save for Doc's flashlight.
Doc lights a lantern as the rest sit. The lantern lights up the cave. Leanie finds herself seated next to a skeleton. Where's Rum? He's gone ahead of us to find a nice place tonight. Real fancy pad. He's giving us a signal when the coast is clear. We wait here for a while. Rest up. Nice and toasty, huh? Yeah, nice and toasty. What is this place? The Cave of the Virgin. Real old, real holy. The people say the sun goddess comes here to be reborn. Maradeva hates this place. He won't bother us tonight. A tattered robe on the floor in front of the Virgin moves. Lini screams, and a small three-legged dog comes out and jumps on Lini's lap. She is charmed and pets him. How cute. What are you doing here, fellow, huh? Oh, that a boy. Charlie says he'll be right back and goes further into the cave. <laughs> Looks like you've got a friend in that little pooch. I'm sorry, Doc. I just had to come. When I got the map, it was just too much to resist. When you got the map? How'd you get the map? Your, your father gave it to me. He, he said he thought I could make good use of it. Oh, that son of a bitch. Still, you should have known better. He should have known better. What was he thinking? Are you still mad? That's not the point. This is a dangerous country. My father should have told you that. You just don't belong here. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. Look, if we get low on provisions, I'm sure I can get a good price for you from Maradeva. How are your teeth? I'm going to give you such a hit. Charlie returns to interrupt them and to take them to the house of Ram. As they approach the house of Ram, they see a humble little shack with dim lights in the window. So this is the fancy pad, huh? Come on, come on, you see. As they enter, they find themselves in a richly adorned palace. There is a huge feast laid out on a low table and several guests. Musicians entertain the guests. And at the head of the table, dressed like a rajah, is Ram, who bows his head in acknowledgement. They are greeted by an Indian woman in a beautiful exotic costume. She is Sita. She welcomes them and invites them to bathe. She claps her hands and three women appear, also dressed in exotic, beautiful costumes. Doc, Lini, and Charlie are each escorted to separate quarters. Later that evening, Doc is greeted by Lini, who is absolutely ravishing in an exotic costume. Wow! Hi, Doc. Then there are some guests who are anxious to meet them and leads them to a low table surrounded by pillows. At the table are an Englishman and a Muslim woman. Sita presents Mr. Hadrian McNee and his traveling companion, Ayasha. McNee stands formally. Dr. Kunda, a pleasure to meet you. Ram has told me so much about you. May I present my traveling companion, Ayasha? I understand you are an acquaintance of Mr. Gideon. Yes, he's an old friend of the family. Marvelous chap, most helpful. Flew us out here for practically nothing. Saved an enormous amount of time. He flew you? Yes, in his cargo plane. Flew it himself. There's a landing strip behind the house here. And what brings you here, Mr. McNee? Oh, research. Not unlike yourselves. Probably a wild goose chase, but worth checking out. We came across some manuscripts in the library at Edinburgh, indicating that Alexander the Great explored this area and, and in fact, for a time, had congenial relations with the Rajas in the area. He may even have been headed here when he died of a fever on shipboard. Probably a lot of poppycock, but a good tale to tell the foundations, eh? So, Gideon suggested we join forces. This temple of yours may be the same temple Alexander visited. The location is right. Gideon sold me this map. As he takes out a map, Lini and Doc exchange looks. 
It is the same map as theirs. Well, what's the matter? Gideon sold you this map? That's right. But it corresponds to the description in the manuscripts. Ayasha here is from that area, actually. I'm escorting her home as a favor to Gideon. Do you have any of the manuscripts with you? Only a few photocopies, obviously not the whole collection. But let's enjoy ourselves. There'll be plenty of time for Alderal in the morning. Try some of this melon liqueur. It is absolutely astonishing. As dancers entertain the guests, Lini is avidly listening to McNee while Doc chats with Ayasha. We say that is a goddess of love also, and that one feels the love as one approaches, just as one feels the heat of the sun. Lini looks on jealously. Then to McNee, well, You must have been to some famous places in your work, Mr. McNee. Well, call me Hadrian. Hadrian, then. Ayasha says to Doc, You have such worries, such tensions. I see them here on your brow. You should relax and don't worry. As she rubs Doc's brow, she says, Lose your worries. Answers. Sita enters the dance and takes a central position. Doc is now laying back on the pillows, sipping the melon liqueur while Ayasha massages his temples. Lini watches the situation with alarm, and McNee watches Lini with hope. Shouldn't we be turning in, Doc? We've got to get up an early start in the morning. You're absolutely right, Lini. We should be turning in. Ram takes his leave. Sita now dances for Doc alone as he continues to sip the melon liqueur. They hold eye contact. As she whirls, she seems to appear and disappear. The face changes from Sita to Lydia Moore, from Sita to Lini, from P.J. Gideon to Doc's own face, then to the face of a cobra which grows and grows until he's swallowed by the hood of the cobra. In the house of Ram next morning, Doc finds himself in a small, humble house. McNee, Ayasha, Lini, Charlie, Ram, and Sita have shared the same room, each sleeping on a grass mat. All but Doc are now awake and preparing to leave. Sita, now dressed quite plainly, brings Doc a simple breakfast. Doc Kunda says to Lini, who is walking by, Where are we? Lini looks at him with disdain and passes without answering. Charlie comes over to say, You are in the house of Ram, Doc. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah, right. What time is it? It is time for us to be going. Manadeva does not sleep. Right, I'll, I'll be right back. Outside the house of Ram, as they are ready to leave, Doc sees Ayasha stealing a knife from his pack. Hey, stop that. Ayasha stops and drops the knife on the ground, frightened. Trust him, he is evil. Who do you mean, McNee? McNee comes over to them and says, Anything wrong? Uh, no, nothing. I, I've got a bit of a headache. I imagine you would. McNee sees the knife on the ground and picks it up. Uh, here, you, you dropped your knife. Oh, thank you. I want you to have a look at the maps with me. Charlie seems to think it isn't necessary to use the ship capas, and that furthermore, it could be dangerous. Could you join us for a moment? Uh, but sure, I'll be right there. Doc and Ayasha exchange glances. Then Doc proceeds to the front of the caravan. At the same time, Hanuman, the little three-legged dog from the Cave of the Virgin, is barking at the feet of one of the porters. Lini comes over to fetch him. Hanuman, stop that. 
As she rises, she comes face to face with the bandit who forced her to drink when she was tied up. She turns quickly. A doc, excuse me, a doc. Lini rushes over to where Doc and McNee are conferring. Doc, could I have a minute of your time? Could it wait for just a moment? Hadrian and I... No! She pulls him aside to confide. Look, she points to where the bandit was standing. There's no one there. What are you talking about? Oh, he... Never mind. Dr. Kunda! I'll be right there, Hadrian. Doc goes back with McNee, leaving Lini alone. She sees a porter dressed like the bandit. She goes over to him. Hey, you! The porter turns around. It is not the bandit. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. The next time we see our group, they are on the trail. Ayasha stays close to Doc. Lini alternates between jealousy, which keeps her away from Doc, and fear, which puts her back at his side. Doc catches up with McNee and Charlie, who are standing on a bluff overlooking a field. Charlie says, Hey, Doc, you come look, as he hands Doc Kunda binoculars. What is it? As Doc looks through the binoculars, he sees Maradeva and his men leading a group of women captives. Maradeva! How awful. Isn't there something we can do for them? To which McNee replies, Nothing, poor devils. At least he'll be occupied with them. Then they hear the sound of a horn. Above them on a cliff, one of Maradeva's scouts has spotted them. In the valley, Maradeva and his men turn around. Maradeva directs some of his men to escort the woman, while he and a few others move toward Doc's group, whom he has now spotted. The group takes off down the trail. We see the scout abandon his post in pursuit. Lini feels someone grab her by the shoulder. It is the bandit who forced her to drink, smiling lasciviously. She kicks him in the crotch and pushes him down the bank and joins the rest. As the chase continues outside the cave of the goddess of the sun, they come around a bend and see the opening of the cave of the goddess of the sun. That's it, Doc. That's the temple. Come on. Doc shouts, come on, come on, move. We hear the horn again, and on a cliff overlooking them, they see one of Maradeva's men. At the mouth of the cave of the goddess of the sun, the horn sounds again, and the port has run off. They enter the cave and do not see in a nook at the entrance a tantric priest. He rings a temple bowl. There are several of these priests in different parts of the cave, also ringing temple bowls. Lini holds her ears, and the others react, indicating the sound is deafening. The ringing stops. McNee says, What the devil was that, Doc? The doorbell. Come on now. Be careful. They make their way further into the cave. It is lit by torches. By the first torch is a stone plaque with Sanskrit writing. Look at this, Doc. What does it say? Doc rubs away the dust. It's Sanskrit. Let's see. Uh, enter by four to the womb of the goddess. And this is... Let me see. One is to be consumed by the cobra. One shall... I guess this is gift, so it's... One will make a gift of their life, and two shall die in each other. Enchanting. Watch your step. It's, it's probably booby-trapped. They move cautiously through the cave to an area carved to resemble a temple of some kind. The floor is made up of octagonal stone tiles, some of which are engraved with tantric images. Doc stops them. Doc takes a stone and tosses it onto the tile floor, hitting an engraved tile. A spear shoots up from the wall across the pathway, embedding itself in the opposite wall. Lini shudders. 
What do we do now? Just then, the little dog, Hanneman, jumps down from her arms and runs across the tile floor. The whole series of booby traps are tripped, all flying over his head. Come on, it may be safe now. But don't step on the engraved tiles. They continue down the path, through the temple-like hallway, past a hidden priest they do not see. They come to an old rope bridge over some kind of pit. Doc shines his flashlight into the pit. It is filled with cobras. Doc looks to Lini. I'm not going over that. You can just forget that. Come on, Lini. I'll be right behind you. I don't care where you are. I'm not going over it. Oh, no problem, Lini. You can stay here. I think you'll enjoy life as a prostitute in Hong Kong. Plenty of ganja, steady work, interesting people. All right, I'm going, I'm going. Just wait a minute. Lini moves cautiously across the bridge with Doc right behind her. They make it across and turn to watch McNee and Ayasha cross. Ayasha moves across the bridge first. When she is over, she turns to face McNee, who is still on the bridge. Before anyone can stop her, she takes out a concealed knife, Doc Kunda's knife, and cuts the ropes of the bridge. McNee plunges to the bottom of the pit and is covered by the snakes. The temple bowls sound. You, you killed him! Doc grabs the knife and looks over the edge. Why? Don't you see? This is the trap. What do you mean? You are being taken to Maradeva. Mr. Gideon has arranged it. Gideon? Gideon's in on this? I gave myself to him to be sold. Why would you do such a thing? My husband died. He was a bad man. I never loved him. Oh, the Sati. The Sati. The wife is burned with the husband's body. But you're Muslim. I was raised a Muslim. When I, w- I would be sent to a good family, I could not be a prostitute. But now, I would not see Dr. Kunda harmed. Oh, well, Doc, you got any good ideas now? I guess we keep going. They went to a lot of trouble to get us here. Let's see what they want. They move again through the cave. At different points, priests move unseen into the shadows. They enter a cavern with the same booby-trapped tiles as in the beginning. Be careful! Doc looks toward a raised area, a kind of natural dais on which sits a sarcophagus. Just as he looks on, a priest who has been standing behind the sarcophagus disappears through an ancient-looking door, closing it behind him. Doc runs after him in vain to open the door. He turns to face the rest. Lini is examining the sarcophagus. Doc! Come take a look at this. It's, it's Greek, like on the lingam. I'd say 2nd or 3rd century B.C. I'd say it dates back to about 356 B.C. What do you mean? Lini, rubbing away some dust, says, What do you make of that? Why, that's the seal of Alexander the Great. Rubbing away more debris, he reads the inscription, Emperor of the World entombed as Osiris, his brother. We, his children, mourn the loss of our king here interred. Well, this is the tomb! The tomb of Alexander the Great! My God! Do you know what this means? This was a great man. He conquered the known world. This is over 2,000 years old. Oh, it's, it's all relative. 
He killed his own father and his brother and wiped out entire cities. He probably killed or enslaved millions of people. Oh, come on, Lini. He lived in brutal times. By conquering those people, he united them and put an end to local wars. He also brought together the great religious men and thinkers of his time. Aristotle was his tutor, for God's sakes. Come on, give me a hand. I'm going to open it. To violate a man's resting place is Harun, unclean. We're after the truth, Ayasha. The story of the past. Lini and Doc slowly move away the cover. It's empty. Grave robbers. Wait, look. His sword. The sword of Alexander the Great. Look at that. There was a loud laugh. They turned to see the giant bandit who won Lini. He's blocking the trail and holding a giant scimitar. Aha! My prize! You have come to me! Kama, I thought you were dead. My little Rati. My name is Ayasha. Your name is Rati, my little dark girl. You have a lot to learn. There will be time for us. But now I am here for the white woman. Leave them be, Kama. I am your prize. Stand back, Rati. What would I do with a dead woman? If I'm dead, you are dead. If I live, then you live. She moves slowly towards Kama, removing her clothes as she goes. Lini moves towards Ayasha. Doc stops her. We are of one body, you and I. Have we not known the four moments, the four joys, and practiced the positions of the Kama Sutra? as taught by your father. She is now naked in front of him. Embrace me now, Kama, and let us fly like two wings of an eagle. She embraces him. He returns her embrace. Doc says, Ayasha, no! She stands on one of the inscribed tiles. A spear shoots out from the wall, impaling them both. As the spear strikes Ayasha, she is at peace. Kama is shocked at first, and then surrenders. They fall together into a chasm. Again, the temple bowls sound as little Hanuman peers into the chasm. Come on, Lini, we'd better move on. They move on down the path. After a moment, Lini says, One is swallowed by a cobra. One makes a gift of her life. Doc, what's going to happen to us? I don't know, Lini. I guess we'll die in each other, huh? As they rush past the chasm and over the rise... They can hear the cries of the bandits behind them. They come to a doorman. One of the priests motions for them to come inside. In the innermost chamber, the throne room of the goddess of the sun, the priestess is seated on a raised dais, her face veiled, surrounded by her attendants. They are all perfect specimens of different races. Standing in front of her is P.J. Gideon, dressed in the robes of Alexander the Great. As Doc and Lini are led into the chamber, a scribe steps forward with a scroll. The scribe says that one is consumed, one has given her life, two remain. Dakunda looks at Gideon. What the hell is going on here? Dr. Kunda, if you would please, you are in the presence of the goddess of the sun. Try to show some respect. Doc and Lini are forced to kneel. The priestess rises and descends towards the two. She strokes Doc's hair and holds him by the chin and says, Let me see your face. Yes, you do have the family features. She looks off for a moment and reminisces. But 
You must be very tired after your journey. Have them bathed and changed into fresh clothing. When they are rested, then we shall talk. The priestess and some of her retinue exit. Okay, Gideon. What do you want? What are you going to do with us? Well, right now I'm going to see you're bathed and gotten some decent clothing. Get off of it, Gideon. You're in with Maradeva and his slave ring. That's what this whole setup is about, right? No, young Thomas. Maradeva, quite like you, goes his own road. But you were the source of the maps, right? Quite right. As well as McNeese and your grandmother's map to the land of Prester John. Then they were all bogus. Well, that's the thing. They were all true. <laughs> now, now, come on, you two. There'll be plenty of time for questions, but for now, if I may be so bold, you offend. So, so off you go now, into the baths. Oh, Doc, hold on to this. You might need it. He returns the sword of Alexander to Doc Kunda. Gideon claps his hands, and Leany and Doc are led away separately. The bedchambers of Doc and Leany are mirror images of each other, each with a large ornate bath, a lounging area, and a bedchamber. We first see Leany being led into the bath by two naked attendants. Doc is in his bath with a naked female attendant on each side, washing him. Hmm, that's nice. What's your name? The attendant, he asks, puts her finger to her lips in the silent sign. She looks at the other attendant, and they both giggle. In Lini's room, where Lini's being led from a bath and dried, still naked, she walks towards the lounge area, where she bumps into a muscular man, stripped to the waist, carrying a food tray. Next to him is another, with a pitcher. They don't react at all to her nakedness. She tries to act nonchalant, covering herself with her towel. Oh, dinner, great. J just put it anywhere, no problem. One of the attendants, smiling softly to herself, brings Lini a robe. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. It all looks just so good. I don't know where to start. She pauses, expecting them all to leave. They all stand motionless. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks a lot. Now, now, what are you waiting for, Tip? One of the female attendants helps Lini to lie back in the Shea lounge while the other peels a piece of fruit for her and begins to hand-feed her. One of the male attendants pours a drink and holds it with an easy grasp, indicating that it is there for her, while the other male attendant, through gestures, asks if she would like her feet rubbed. My feet? Oh, yes, by all means. Doc is lying on the floor as one attendant rubs his temples and the other walks on his back. The massage ends and they help him get up. They draw the curtains and lead him to the bed. They turn to leave. He follows. As they reach the exit, he is met by a huge male guard with a scimitar. Doc bows to the guard and gives a wave to the girls. They bow and exit, giggling. Doc turns back and throws himself on the bed, exhausted. Leany, who is lying in her bed, says to herself, Oh, Doc, what are we going to do? Leany, is that you? Tuck and Lini are separated by a wall made up of an iron cage and curtains, allowing them to speak to each other, but not to touch or see each other. Doc, where are you? Are you all right? Yes, I'm fine. Are you all right? How are they treating you? How are they treating me? Oh, you know how it is being a prisoner and all. How are they treating you? Me? Oh, you know, very, very Spartan. 
A straw mat, stone walls with tiny barred windows, and gruel. They feed me gruel and water. But not to worry, I'll get by. How about you? You have a window? How wonderful. What can you see? What can I see? Oh, well, it looks like, like, like a sewer, a stream of raw sewage. Sort of smells up my cell, you know, but not to worry. And rats, big ones. So far they've been friendly. I'm going to try to train one. Oh, God, Doc, what do you think is going to happen to us? Leany, I honestly don't know. I guess it's in Gideon's hands or Mara Deva's. Who knows? But Gideon said he wasn't working with Mara Deva. That's right. Let's hope he was telling the truth. Doc, I was thinking... Well, stop it. You'll only get yourself in trouble. Come on, really. You know, when Kid said that your map, your, your grandmother's map and McNeese's map were all true... Yes? Well, what if they are? What do you mean? I mean, what if Gideon is Prester John and Alexander the Great? Oh, come on, Leany. What have they been feeding you? No, really, Doc. Wouldn't it make sense? Alexander shows up at this cave and learns the secret of eternal youth. He takes pity on the people here and halts his advance on the borders of India. I mean, really, everyone knows Chandra Gupta was no match for the armies of Alexandra. Well, that's true, but... So Alexander fakes a death at sea and returns here to live. His army stays at the border, and, and, and they form the kingdom of Bactria. Remember, we found his sarcophagus. No one's ever done that, and it was empty. And Gideon's over 2,000 years old? Come on, Leany, no one's ever going to believe that. Admit there's something to your Alexander story, but I don't buy that this is Shangri-La. So what is it? Okay, so maybe Alexander ends up here. He's conquered the known world, and he finds this temple where he can go for a rest. Did you see those symbols on the priestess? They were tantric. These people worship the union of man and woman as a source of divine energy. So Alexander, who's been marching across the desert with a couple of hundred thousand men, finds this place where all the women are trained in the sexual arts. He comes here to live and is treated like a king. His spawn are crowned in turn, so Gideon is really an ancestor of Alexander. He knew your grandmother, so he's a well-preserved ancestor. You're just not going to convince me that P.J. Gideon is over 2,000 years old. Okay. What do you mean, okay? Look, it's late and I need some sleep. So do you. Let's finish this in the morning. You're right. Good night, Doc. Good night, Leany. In the bedchamber of Doc Kunda the next morning, the giant guard with the scimitar, two female attendants, and a priest enter. The attendants remove Doc's robes and dress him in a loin wrap, such as is worn by ascetics. What's this, a diaper? Come on, get me some clothes. The priest says to Doc Kunda, These are very fine clothes. You must come now. It is time for your training to begin. I'm not going anywhere until I find out what's going on. Now, where's Gideon? You shall see him soon enough. But really, it is time we started. Indra? Indra the guard unsheathes his scimitar and grabs Kunda by the hair, leading him out of the room. In the hallway outside the bedchambers, as Doc is led out into the hallway, he sees Lini, who is also being led willingly. Lini is dressed in a beautiful garment. When she sees Doc, she laughs. And now Doc and Lini undergo yogic training. Lini looks at an illustration from the Kama Sutra. Doc also looks at an illustration. A naked woman waits for Doc to join her. Doc looks back and is threatened by the guard. Resigned, he goes to the woman. Lini is led by a priest to Alexander's chamber of penance. 
given a pail of water and a ladle and told by gesture to enter. Inside she finds Gideon alone. He is dressed as a slave and chained to the handle of a giant winch, which alone he struggles to turn. Gideon, what are you doing here? Lini, you look radiant. I, I see you have some water with you. If you would be so kind. Of course. Yes, here. I I'm sorry, I can't stop. If you would just pour it over my head, I, I would be most grateful. Of course, but, but what are you doing here? Why, penance, of course. Mr. Gideon, I've been wanting to ask you. Ah, you figured it out. That's right. I'm Alexander the Great. Prester John, too, and a couple of others. But how long have you been here? Oh, not quite long enough. But getting there. Sorry. Not a good time to chat. Be a good girl. And work hard at your studies, eh? Yes, sir. If there's anything I could do. The attendant comes for her and leads her out. Doc Kunda enters the inner chamber of the priestess of the goddess of the sun. There is shouting before he enters. When he does, he is shoved through the door and lands on the floor. His hands are tied in front of him. His attitude is defiant. The priestess is seated on a throne chair on a raised dais. When Doc enters, she stands. Doc Kunda, so like your grandfather. You revel in the fire of your ego. What do you want from me? What do I want from you? I imagine at this point, you want a lot more from me than I from you. She claps her hands and a guard comes out and loosens Doc's hands. Is the training going well? Yes, very interesting. But what's going on here? Ah, oh, the vessel must be prepared before the wine is served. But today I have something for you, some answers. She removes the veil from her face. Do you know who I am? You're the goddess of the sun or something like that, right? He looks closer at her face as she moves down the steps towards him. Look very closely. Ah, I see a spark of recognition. Lydia. Lydia Moore. You, you're my grandmother. That's right, Thomas. I'm Lydia Moore. But how can you... This will be clear to you soon. Please have patience. I know for you this is hard. What are you going to do with us? Are you working with Mara Deva? Mara Deva lies in the path of your destiny, my son. How you respond will dictate the rest of your life. Grandmother, tell me about Gideon. Is he? Yes, he is the old king. His guilt has kept him alive for 2,000 years doing penance. Penance? But yes, he is lost in a maze of illusion. Yet, as a king, his illusions are kingly. Penance will not expiate sins, for there is no sin. There is no life. There is no death. When Mr. Gideon can see this truth, he will be free. But come, Thomas. The time for questions is yet to come. Now there will be answers. Look upon me now. She drops her robes, revealing her tattooed body. Doc looks on with amazement. You see the tattoos? They are alive and changing. They are quite beautiful, are they not? Look closely. They tell a story. This is a story of life and death and life again and the Ariadnean thread that unites these pearls. Thomas, you say you are looking for yourself, but no, you must lose yourself. You must kill yourself to live. Look at the stories in the tattoos. 
Here is a tale of a child, a girl who died in the desert alone a thousand years ago. Who was there to hear her cries? Here is a king who rose from the mud, the earth to sweep across it like a flood. In fire was he born, and in wind did he die, yet his pain remains with a life of its own. And here is a life, another, and another, a man drunk in his own ignorance, a bride who cries herself to sleep, the peace they seek, a turn of the page, a lost sigh. Look closely, Thomas, here is a girl, burned and disfigured, and left for dead, given a new life, and the tantric ways. Here is a goddess who is mortal, and a woman who is a god. Look at me, Thomas, look, and do not be afraid. The walls fall away, and Doc finds himself in the middle of a large torchlit ring. At the edges, girls dance. There is singing and laughter, as if Doc were the entertainment. Charlie brings Doc Alexander's sword. Here's a clan from the beginning of time. Your people, Thomas, your clan, and the black-hearted son whose fear has made death his lover. Maradeva appears at the other end of the ring. There is silence in the crowd. Dr. Kunda, my cousin. Maradeva takes off his hat. For the first time we see he and Doc are identical twins. Hey, Doc, anyone ever tell you you were a handsome devil? <laughs> nah, I guess a sense of humor stayed on my side of the family. Lini enters, restrained by two of Maradeva's men. Nice. Hey, I'd like a taste of that, huh, Doc? Leave her alone. The music and drums of the crowd resume as the fighters, Doc and Maradeva, take their position. There is a protracted battle, a fierce struggle, and finally, Doc beheads Maradeva. Doc is reunited with Lini, and they are led to an opening. They are left to walk together in silence down a long hallway until they come to an altar. Attendants expecting them lead them onto the altar and help them remove their clothes. They make tantric ritual love on the altar. When they finish, they are shown an opening. It leads to the sun chamber. They climb to the top and they stand hand in hand, naked and silhouetted towards the rays of the sun. The priestess releases Gideon from his chains, as Charlie says. And two shall die in each other. The Adventures of Doc Thomas Kunda and Lini LaFontaine in The Temple to the Goddess of the Sun comes to you from Fine Art Productions, 67 Maple Street, Newburgh, New York, 12550. Phone and fax, 914-561-5866. For more information, call this station or write, including a stamp, self-addressed envelope, fax, or call the production company. All rights reserved. Recorded programs are available in multimedia formats.